a series we're calling 30 for 30. Would you say that with me? 30 for 30. Yeah, and so the premise of this was that uh, we would begin to study the Word and uh, read the Bible every day for 30 days, 30, and then we would post uh, for 30 days everything. If we got something, you know, yesterday we were reading the Word, then we would post it later that day and just say, man, I was reading this passage and it really ministered to me. And, uh, and so that's why we were calling it 30 for 30. Read the Word every day for 30 days, post every day for 30 days as God shows you things about the Word. And so I was picking on Pastor Jack last week because, uh, you know, he came by the office and I and, uh, said, man, I, I haven't, have you posted? Are you, are you in this with us, 30 for 30? He goes, yeah, I've been reading every day. I said, well, you haven't posted anything. He goes, oh, yeah, I haven't had a chance to post anything. I said, man, you're going to end up 30 for 20 when I was picking on him and uh, and all that I have now sowed and reap because I went out of town this week and uh, I haven't posted for the last four days so at best I'm going to be 30 for 26 and I'm the pastor so sorry about that but uh, keep posting keep speaking what God's showing you in the word of God so we started with this premise of this whole message was about the word of God and the power that it has and our first week we talked about the power of the word the Bible the holy scriptures number one to cleanse us that was our first week how we don't even know what sin is until we start reading the Bible. And, and then it, it shows us what sin is so that we can start being cleansed. And the power of the Word of God to cleanse our mind, old thoughts, old trashy experiences, to cleanse that out. Also teaching us what love is, to cleanse us uh, and, and to a place where we know how to love God. Because you don't know how to love God properly until you get down in His Word and He starts showing you how to love Him. He literally gave you a road map on how to love Him and how to grow in Him. And then the, last week we talked about the power of the Word to sustain us. To sustain us. And we talked about the three areas that the Word of God will sustain us. The first area, that the Word of God will sustain us in the right direction. And I don't know about you, when I first got saved, uh, it was amazing. I, I, once I became a Christian, all my old friends now wanted to be best buddies. You know, I couldn't get a date back in those days. And now all of a sudden I got saved and all those hoochie mamas were reaching out to me. It was amazing. And, and, and the Word of God kept me in the right direction. You know, as we said, David said, I've hid your word in my heart that I may not sin against you. And may your word be a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path to keep me going in the right direction. And it sustains you. The Bible will sustain you in what is right and what is wrong. And then we also said it would sustain us in the, uh, in the, in, in the waiting rooms of life. And I don't know if you understand that, but, but it seems like there are these moments in our life where like nothing's happening. Nothing's going right. Anybody know what I'm talking about? We're praying like, God, where are you? I'm still single, you know, and I'm 75. Lord, you got to do something, you know. <laughs> you know, or, you know, Lord, where are you? My kids still live at home, and they're all 75. It's like, Lord, what's the deal? <laughs> and so these waiting rooms, like, God, we need you to do a breakthrough. We need you to do something. And the Word of God will sustain you while you're waiting for the things of God to transpire. Because if not, you'll get ahead of God and you'll quit and you'll walk out of the waiting room and miss your appointment with the Father and destiny. And then we talked about the last one, that, that God will sustain you. His word will sustain you in the trials of life. And I don't know about you, but I've been through a lot of trials. And we, we actually played video footage of, uh, of, of Shay, uh, who was, who, who's a member of our church, who uh, had been in a dating relationship with a guy who kind of lost his mind last year and uh, tried to kill her and thought he had murdered her, and then he turned the gun on himself and ended his life. And so we played a video that was so impactful, and she talked about how she laid in the hospital, you know, between life and death in the ICU, that she kept replaying a scripture over and over and over, the word of God, that he would protect her, that he would keep her safe in trial and tribulation. And she quoted that passage in that video footage that we had over last week, and I want you to just know, she, uh, and I asked her, I said, Shay, are you here this service? I asked her second service last week, and she wasn't here. Uh, she, she called us this week and said, hey, listen, uh, I'm sorry I wasn't there. Um, you know, my new boyfriend, come on somebody, who's a man of God, come on somebody, 
he actually took me out sailing last Sunday. Come on, somebody. And she said, but I was watching the live stream. Come on now. Church on the boat. I feel a calling to that. We went from cough to copper. Church on the boat. So anyway, I just thought that was really cool how God takes what is horrible and turns it into something wonderful, man. She's got a man of God who loves her, treats her well, and she's out on a boat. Come on, watching church. I love it. Jesus is so good. So as we get into the Word today, we're going to talk about how the Word actually becomes your tool to war against the enemy. Or warring with the Word is our title. And uh, as, as I kind of jump in, this week we had a really neat experience. Um, uh, Miss Sue Bernard, who has been the director of our, uh, our academy, uh, she had to go in for some tests at the doctor's office, and they told her they wanted to run a like a CT scan where they put you in the tube. Is that what CAT scan or whatever it is they call it? And she said, she called us later and said, Pastor, I was so terrified. I don't want to go on the tube thing. It freaks me out. I didn't want to be in it. And they gave me the little thing and said, listen, if you get scared, just hit the panic button. We'll, we'll bring you out. We'll figure another way to do these tests. And she goes, okay. And she said, as they got me in the tube, she said, I started losing my mind. I started becoming unglued. And then I remembered that we've been talking about the word of God to defeat the plan and the power of the enemy. And she said, and I started quoting those scriptures, that he'll never leave me or forsake me, that his right hand guides me and protects me. And she said, and by the time I finished praying those scriptures and speaking those scriptures, she said, all fear had not only left, I almost fell asleep, and they pulled me right out and said, it's done. She's like, what? How long have I been in there? A long time. Come on, somebody. So as we go into it today, Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 17 is our key scripture. And this is what it says. It says, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit which is the word of God. Father, I pray right now over the next few minutes that you would inspire your people with your word. Lord God, that you would raise up men and women in this room and who are watching by live stream and by podcast who can radically defeat the enemy. And all the power of the enemy that's been attacking them and all the fighting that, Lord God, they haven't done, that in this place today, from this message, men and women will rise up and say, no more devil, no more power of Satan, no more on our life and on our family, and that the word of God would do what it does and destroy the works of the enemy. In Jesus' name, and everybody shout it, amen. Now, Ephesians chapter 6, if you'll turn there with me, we extracted this one verse out of verse 17, but let's go back and look at the verses before that, verses 10 through 18. I'll give you a second to turn there. Ephesians 6, verse 10 through 18. Verse 10 says this. It says, finally, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the full arm of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Come on, don't you know the devil is he's scheming all the time against you? In verse 12, it says this, and it says, And for our struggle is not against our wife and against our kids. <laughs> Sorry. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realm. So this passage is teaching you that your boss is not your problem. Your, bo- your co-worker is not your problem, that you have demonic forces, it calls it spiritual authorities, demonic forces of evil and heavenly rims, and they're pushing on your boss, they're pushing on you, they're causing all of this turmoil, and most of the time we're fighting the wrong battle with the wrong person, and it's not the enemy, it's not flesh and blood that's the enemy, but demonic forces, and it says, therefore, continuing on in verse 13, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil, when the day, not if, when the day of evil comes, 
comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything to stand, verse 14, stand firm then. And then it goes into putting on the armor. It says, with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one, Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. Now, this passage is teaching us a couple truths. First and foremost, there is a demonic force that hates you. Everybody say, yes. There are evil forces that are trying to destroy your life, your purpose, and your destiny, your family, and everything about you. Friend, you got to understand that you have a real enemy out there. And if you're not careful or cautious, you will be fighting the wrong battle, pointing the wrong direction while getting your face beat in. Uh, I had a friend back in, back in the day when I was a youth minister. Uh, he was about my age, and he came and started helping our youth group. We were both real young. And uh, he went to Bible school there with us, and then he moved back to Mississippi where he was from. His name was Brent. Brent was this huge kid, just a big old country boy, big. I mean, you know, flipping cows big. I mean, just a big kid. And, uh, and so, you know, he moved back, and he started dating this little girl. And before you know it, they're going back, you know, doing their, you know, their line dancing and stuff. And before you know it, he's back drinking. And before you know it, he's away from God, and he's getting drunk on the weekends. And this particular weekend, he got, he got smashed. And they were in the bars, and they were, they were doing what, you know, stupid people do in bars. And they, they got to arguing about with this other little dude, and they, they get to fighting. And they kicked him out and said, y'all take it outside. So Brent said he gets outside, he tells this lady, he gets outside, and this little scrawny of a guy, and, uh, and there's a big crowd, you know, fight, fight, fight. And so Brent says he just starts beating, wailing on this guy, bam, bam, he's beating him and beating him and beating him. He said it must have been five, six minutes, he just beat him until finally the guy just falls over, passed out, he done beating him down. And he says when he does, he stands up, yeah, and the crowd goes, yeah, <gasps> because that whole time, as he throws his arms up like that, all of a sudden his guts fall out of his flesh. Because the whole time this little guy was stabbing him with a buck knife the whole time that he was beaten on him. Can I tell you something? Some of you are so in- intoxicated with the things of this world, you don't realize the devil is stealing, beating, and stabbing you the whole time. And you think that you're actually doing something when actually you're being taken down, stabbed, and broken out, and you don't know how to fight. So today... As we look into these passages, my goal for you is that you recognize you have a real enemy and that you actually know how to fight that enemy. And since we're talking about the Word of God, that, that passage begins to list out the armor of God. Now, can I tell you something? Why would it list out armor if you weren't going to battle? It, you, you don't wear armor and sit on the couch and watch TV. I got my helmet on just in case, you know. You don't do that. You know, you, you put armor on because you're going against an enemy. And one of the end pieces is it talks about the helmet of salvation. Then it comes to the sword of the Spirit, and it says it is the Word of God. And it begins to talk about the sword of the Spirit or the Word of God. And so it's interesting that it relates the Word of God to the only offensive weapon listed in this whole passage. See, many of you, you know how to defend well, but most of you don't know how to attack well. And can I explain something to you? I played a lot of sports growing up, and the most miserable part of playing sports is just playing defense. The joy of sports is getting to make the bucket, to score the touchdown. The joy of combat is getting to knock somebody down. 
if you've wrestled, to pin them. The joy of, of being an MMA fighter is that the other guy can't stand up anymore and you're still, Rah! that's the joy of battle is that there are more dead bodies on their side than on your side. Come on, somebody. And so what's transpired many times in the Christian faith is that we got folks who, you know, devil, don't do it, don't hurt me. Watch out, I just, no, no, no. He gave you his word as a combative weapon so that you can destroy and kill off every force of evil that's been fighting against you stabbing you, sneaking you, shooting little arrows from up here. It's the only offensive weapon listed in this whole passage. And what is it? It's the Word of God. It's His Word that gives you the power to strike a blow against the enemy. And you and I don't know it. I, listen, some of you are like a little kid that just got your word. And yeah, you don't feel real good about it. It's kind of heavy for you. And, and you know, I, I, I'll be honest with you. I am not skilled with this weapon. I can do a lot better with a 9mm. I just want to be honest. And we'll be perfectly honest about that. But if I lived in an era where this was the weapon of choice, if this was the M80, you know, if you will, or whatever, you know, of, of, of my era, I would have to learn to be skilled to be able to fight with it. And at first, I wouldn't be so good, would I? I'd have to learn. I'd be a little awkward, you know, and, and I can't really do it. And, and, I, and I would just be trying to learn how to do it and, and trying to do it like that and all that kind of stuff. But the better, uh, the more I fought with it, the more I practiced, the more I was in combat, the better I would get. And friends, some of you are so scared of the word because you're like, I don't really know much about the Bible. Take up the sword and begin swinging it. And you say, you say well, I don't look that good. It doesn't matter. If we're in the middle of a battle, if you're, if you're out in the middle of it, and even if you're not really good, if you're just swinging it and stuff, you're going to hit something eventually. So just keep swinging, friend, until you get skilled at it. Say, I don't know a whole lot of the Bible. That's why some of you won't be small group believers. You're like, I don't really know the Bible. I didn't go to Bible school. Friend, just start swinging. And eventually you're going to hit something, and you're going to knock some devils out, and then it's going to feel good. You're like, that was good. How did I do that? Come on, you ever play video games, and you're like, oh, that was a great move. How did I do that? And, you know, I'm just pushing the buttons. And that's exactly what will transpire is you'll start learning the word, every day reading it, and start applying it not just to defensive position, but actually to offensive positioning. Devil, I'm taking you down. No more cancer in our family. I rebuke it in Jesus' name. The Word of God says I'm the head and not the tail, above and not beneath. I will not be impoverished anymore. We apply that to every lie that you presented against us, and you begin to work the Word. And literally, friend, I'm telling you, you're going to begin to take down the demonic forces that have been fighting against you, stabbing you that you don't even realize it, and you've been getting beat down, beat up. Listen, you've been bullied by the enemy, and it's time to stop all that. Isn't that true? Say yes. A couple, couple months ago, uh, actually it was l earlier 2015, and uh, you know, Adeline is my baby daughter, and uh, there's this kid on her basketball team that was bullying her, and I went to practice one day and I saw it, you know, he's pulling her hair out, he's ripping her hair out, and she didn't want to do anything about it, and so I, I let him do it a couple times, and then I lost my mind, and I was like, I was like hey, you better stop that kid, because I'm going to stop him and his daddy. And then his dad walked in. I was like, hey, bro, you, you might want to watch your son right there. And I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. And so I pulled her over. I said, I said baby, what are you doing? She's crying. He, he's hurting me. I was like, baby, you need to stand up for yourself. Well, the teacher at school says we're not supposed to fight. Listen, I pay for the teacher. Let me explain something to you right now. Let me explain something to you. Come on. Come on. You know how to work with a bully? I said, let me tell you, first thing you do when they first do something, you tell them, please stop. Please stop. I said, and if they don't listen to you, they do it again. You say, listen, I'm going to ask you to stop, but I'm going to go get the teacher. I'm going to get the, you know, the coach or whatever, and I'm going to go tell them. I don't want to be a rat, but i got to go tell them because you, you're not listening. You're disrespecting me. 
and, and she goes, okay. I said, step one is what? Tell him, please stop. All right, that's right. Step two, what's step two? You tell him, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get somebody and tattle on him and tell him to stop. That's right. And then step three is this, baby. If they don't listen, step one and two, then what, what I want you to do is I want you to haul off, and I want you to hit them as hard as you can in their nose. I want you to push their nose to their brain. I want that kid laying on the ground, and while he's down on the ground, kick him one good time, baby. And she's like, Dad, I can't do that. Because you, you know why I'm teaching her that? Because let me tell you something. Bullies don't stop until you knock them down. Some of you have been being beat down by the enemy. Beat down, beat down, beat down. And you're just trying to defend. And you're just like, oh, I don't know why life is so bad. Because you've never taken your sword of the Spirit and put him on his butt. And knocked him back a few steps and make him go. And so I want to show you. You say, oh, that sounds like good, good little sermonette, Pastor. But that's not real scripture. Yeah, it is. And I'm going to take you to it where Jesus has his confrontation with Lucifer and so in the book of Matthew chapter 4, if you'll turn there with me, and we'll read about 11 verses right here. Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 through 11. It says, and then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the desert to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. He wasn't hungry. He was hungry. That's what he was. Verse 3, the tempter came to him. When did he come to him? Once he was hungry. Once he was tired. Once he was, once he was at the end of his physical strength. If you are the Son of God... Tell these stones to become bread. And Jesus answered, it is written, man does not live by bread alone, but by on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. How did he do that? He transported him supernaturally. He took him and put him on top of the temple. He said, if, verse 6, you are the son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you and they will lift you up in their hands, hallelujah, so that you will not even strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered him, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, verse 8, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. I will give you, excuse me, all this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. And Jesus said to him, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him and the angels came and attended to him. Now let me kind of set you the scene before he goes into this wilderness moment. Jesus is right at the age of 30. He's been hidden, if you will. His ministry is not public. He hasn't done anything public up until this point. In fact, just the opposite, no one even knows that he's really the Messiah. I mean, maybe his brothers do because he keeps splitting the bathwater. I don't know. But the point of the matter is nobody knows. And so he comes to this moment where it's time. And he goes to John the Baptist. And John the Baptist says, this is the Messiah. This is the Son of God whose, whose sandals I'm unfit to even unleash, uh, unloosen them. And Jesus said, you must baptize me. He says, I can't. And they had this interaction. He goes, you must. He goes, okay, only because you say it. And as he baptizes Jesus, not unto salvation, because baptism is a public expression of who you are and what you've committed to. As he baptizes him, he comes out of the water and a voice out of heaven speaks. And I picture it to be a rumbling voice, so much so that everybody standing there is like, oh. And all of a sudden it says, I am the father, excuse me, uh, this is my son and who I am well pleased. And in that moment, the Holy Spirit comes and lands on Jesus in the form of a dove. Then it says, as we picked up in verse 1 there of chapter 4, it says, and the Holy Spirit led him out to be tempted. That word actually is better translated tested. 
not tempted, because the tempted in our English language makes us think as though, to, as though to see if we can get him to fail. That's not at all what's happening here. At just the opposite, the Holy Spirit is putting him out there in difficult situation to prove who he is. Can I tell you something? Every one of you, whether in high school, college, wherever you're at, even in your business world, you have to take tests. You have to take final exam, midterm exam. You've got to take all these tests. Why do they test you? It's miserable. It's terrible. You don't like it. They don't like it. Why do they test you? To see if you have learned and have become what you're supposed to be to be able to do what you say you can do. So he leads him out there to show him, yes, you are the Messiah. Watch this. Come on, Satan, bring it on because we're not scared of you one bit. The Bible says that Satan then comes after the 40 days when Jesus is hungry and he begins to tempt him. And I want to give you the three things that he tempts him with. Write these down if you don't mind for just a moment. Here's the three things that Satan challenges Jesus on or tries to tempt him in. First, he challenges him and tempts him in reference to his flesh. You and I, every one of us have a flesh. Every one of us have a tendency towards certain sins. When I first became a Christian, I did not have any temptation towards alcohol, towards drugs. Um, towards girls and perversion, that's a whole other story. But I didn't have a bend towards that. Some of you may have gotten saved and you still like, man, it's such a struggle, PA. Man, dude, I'm telling you, when, when, I, when I walk through the mall and I can smell that dude walking next to me, just smoked a nickel bag out in the parking lot, I'm thinking, dang. <laughs> and we all have a bend. So Jesus is hungry. He's 40 days. He's already begin, his body's already broke down the fat and the muscle. And he's past the point of starvation. It's supernatural that he's even still standing up. And in this moment, what does Satan do? He says to him, if you're the son of God, which I don't believe you are, but if you're the son of God, and I know you're hungry, tell those stones to turn to bread. Tell them to turn to bread. And Jesus has this moment. He could say, listen, let me tell you something. I'm not, I could do whatever I want. I could do it. I don't really think you're the son of God. I don't think, I, in fact, if you really are, prove to me and turn these little suckers and, and turn those stones into bread. And Jesus says this, he responds with what? What does he pull out? He pulls out the sword of the, the word of God. He doesn't, get in a, he doesn't get in a fist fight with Satan. You understand, Jesus is co-creator. You understand this, right? He can say, there you go, Satan. Next, and the other little demons want to fight? He, he could do that in and of that supernatural strength. But Jesus came in the form of, the man, form of a man so that everything he accomplished, he shows us that we can accomplish. He didn't do it in his, his supernatural strength. He lowered himself into humanity and limited himself to that. He could have overcome that. He could have said, I don't want to be like this anymore. I'm God. Stop it. I, van I vanquish you, Satan. You're out of here. But he fights him the way he's showing us to fight him with the very word of God. And he says, let me tell you something. I, listen, I, my flesh wants food right now. Oh, dude, dude, I want some food right now. But let me tell you something. I am not, I am not controlled by my flesh, though you try to tempt me with it. In fact, just the opposite. I'm relying on every word that comes out of the mouth of God. Because the Bible says, the word of God, it is written that man does not live by bread alone, but from every word that comes from the mouth of God. Of God. The second way he does, the second thing he does, he then takes him up on the top of the temple. He's looking down at all the people who come to worship and try to find God. And then he tempts him or he challenges him with his identity. He says, So, okay, if you're the son of God, like you just said you were, and you wouldn't do the little bread thing, if you're really the son of God, the way you can prove that to me, 
There's a passage in Scripture that says he will not let the Messiah fall. That he would even send his angels to keep him from stubbing his toe on a rock. So prove to me, because I don't think you really are the Messiah. I think you're just another dude. I think you're just another little whatever, little Napoleon type person. I don't really think you're the real Messiah. And he, what he does is he goes after his identity. Can I explain something to you? When Satan starts coming after the weaknesses of your life, recognize it and fight it with the word. Then what he'll do, he'll do is he'll come after your identity. You're not really a Christian. You're not a, you know how I know you're not a Christian? Because look, you want this. <laughs> so that means you're not a Christian because you still want it. You don't know, you, you don't, you're not really a Christian. You don't really love God. You're not a good dad because you just had that blow up. You're not a good husband because of this. You're not a good family. And he starts lying to you. Because listen, he is the father of lies. So he starts tempting him about his own identity. Can I explain something to you? The reason why Jesus had no fear of who, is, who he was is because just hours earlier, days earlier, as he's coming out of the water, a voice out of heaven comes and says, this is my son and whom I'm well pleased. See, Jesus knew who he was. And can I just make this statement? Write this down. This will help you right quick. And that is this, is that identity fuels authority. Identity fuels authority. Some of you don't walk in the authority that God has for you because you don't know who you are. You're still trying to figure it out. You don't know you're God's son. You don't know you're God's daughter. Anybody ever had a rich friend, like super rich friend? So when I was in high school, uh, the wealthiest family in our church were billionaires. And they had this kid who was, a, who was an idiot, and they wanted me to befriend him so he would stop being an idiot because he's like, he's a good Christian kid. Maybe if we put our kid with him. And, th- I mean, like, the reason why he was an idiot because they gave him everything he ever wanted. And so we would go to the mall, and he walked into the stores a lot different than I did. He walked in like this. I want that. I want that. Hey, hey, do y'all have somebody who can get that off the thing for me? Right, what size do you have that in? Yeah, just, just pack it. I don't need I'll bring it. I, I, I won't even bring it back. I don't care. I got plenty of money. I want that. I want that. I want that. When he turned 15, 1985, they bought him a Mustang GT. Nobody had a Mustang GT at 15 years old. He wrecked it the first two weeks. I mean, it's just so fast. Such a cool car. He walked in a different way. When I walked into the store, I was like, um, where's your sales rack at? Are y'all giving anything away? Come on, you know what I'm talking about? And that's how some of us live our Christian walk. We don't know who we are in Christ. We don't know we're his sons and daughters. We don't know. We can say, hey, uh-uh, get off of my family in Jesus' name. I'm not arguing with you. I know who I am and I know who he is and you have no right here. Go in Jesus' name. We don't know who we are. And so as a result, he's able to just stabity, stabity, stab. Stabity, stabity, stab. And we don't have anything beating him down, beating him back off because we don't know the word of God. We don't know who we are. What did Jesus say? As he says, listen to me. If you're really the son of God, you can tell the angels to do this. I don't think you really are. Won't you prove it to me? And look what his response is. He doesn't start an argument. He doesn't start a theological debate. He doesn't philosophize with him. He goes straight back to the source of the word of God. And he says, he says it like this. He says, Jesus combated it with, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to a test. Because he started maneuvering the word of God. He started manipulating it. You don't know how he does you. It's amazing how quickly he'll manipulate. You're just getting saved. And, you, and, and, and you're struggling with smoking dope still. I mean, I've had him tell me a billion times, Pastor, I read this scripture that said that God created the herbs of the field. Why is it bad for me to smoke weed? Like, dude, wait a minute. That is not what that scripture is meaning. You're twisting that. Or, hey, pastor, you know, you know I, I'm still, you know, I think it's okay to be homosexual because David and Jonathan were lovers. No, 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 no. They were best friends. They were not sexual lovers. You're maneuvering that. And that's what Satan does. And so you, that's why you get all this crazy stuff out there that people are like halfway believing. Why? Because they don't know the word for themselves. And so they believe a lie. And what does a lie do? It causes you to lose your authority. 
What does the truth do? It makes you stand in your authority. I love what Matthew Henry said. He said it like this about this passage. He says, uh, God usually prepares his people for temptation before he calls them to it. He gives strength according to the day. And before a sharp trial gives more than ordinary comfort. The assurance of sonship is the best preparation for temptation. You know, you can walk through anything if you know who you are. If you know he's with you. That's the problem. We don't know who we are. We don't have a solid identity in Christ. And that's immediately what he went after. So he goes after his flesh first. Then he goes after his identity. And once he can't get him to to cower in any of these two areas, he goes, number three, final one, write it down. He goes after his purpose. He goes after his purpose. And he takes him to the highest point. And he looks him down over all the kingdoms of the world. I think past, present, and future. That's how I picture that he's doing. And he says to him, he says, listen. This is all mine, which is a lie. It's not all his. He says, this is all mine. And you know what? You don't have to go to the cross. You don't have to suffer. I'll give you a short way out. I'll give it to you. All you have to do is bow down and worship me. That's all you got to do. Listen, I will give you a shortcut to your purpose. If you'll just, if you'll just, if you'll just bow down. If you'll just give in. If you'll just stop fighting me. If you'll just let it go. It's okay. I got this plan. It's real easy. See, let me explain something to you. Purpose is secure when we worship and serve the Lord only. Jesus says this. He goes, let me tell you something. Get away from me. Because the word of God says to worship and serve him only. Look how he secured his purpose. Some of you don't know what your purpose is. That's because you're worshiping and serving something else and not him only. See, when I gave myself completely to God, whatever you want, I don't care. I'm tired of trying to figure this thing out. I'm trying to, tired of trying to be rich. I'm tired, tired of trying to be a famous preacher. Lord, I just, I just surrender to your purpose for my life. And I'm comfortable in who I am and who you are in me. Lord, just, I just surrender to And I started worshiping him and being secure in him. And in that, he directed my path. Purpose came alive. Jesus understood there's no shortcut to purpose. In fact, I would challenge you that every time you get close to really fulfilling your purpose, the enemy will try to give you a shortcut. The reason that is, and and this is a great little statement to know, the reason that is is that if Satan can't tempt you with sin, then he'll tempt you to short-circuit your purpose. I can't get her to follow the sin, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to get her doing something that has no meaning in life so that she'll never be a threat to me. She'll never win anybody to Jesus. She'll never make a difference in this world. So what I'll do is I'll get her so busy... Get her so busy buying cars and houses and all this kind of stuff that she never becomes effective for the kingdom of God. So I I, I can't get her to sin, so I'm giving up on, I'm going to resign myself to the fact that she's going to go to heaven, but what I'm going to do is I'm going to keep her now from ever affecting anyone else to go to heaven with her. This is how he works. This is what we see him doing with Jesus. I'll give you a shortcut. Had Jesus bowed down in that moment, do you understand what would have happened? We'd have all been destined to hell forever. There would no longer be a propitiation for our sin. He was the propitiation. He was the sinless, spotless lamb. Had he quit in this moment, the opening of his ministry, the moment that he goes forward in public ministry, the moment that he goes out and says, okay, I'm going to be used by the Father, the moment that that happens, temptation, the depths of difficulty come to him, and he stands strong. Why did the Holy Spirit lead him to be tested? Because God knew he could make it. You're going through something bad. You're going through something difficult. I don't understand what's happening. God's saying, she's got this. 
Watch, he's got this. He's got this. I ain't worried about this. Go ahead, Satan. Rear your ugly head. Watch out, because he's about to put the wapow word on you. I mean, you know, you just never understand that God has complete trust in you, and he doesn't allow you to go through hard things because he expects you to fail. Just the opposite. You are more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus. God knows that the enemy's going to spread out his stupidness, and God doesn't send you down into all that mess. What he does is he strengthens you through it, and he allows you to stand strong and prove to the enemy that he's a liar, just like he did with Job. Isn't that good? Say yes. Come on. So let me give you a couple thoughts on how the word of God, if you and I will get the word and begin to wield this sword against the enemy, let me tell you a couple of supernatural things that it will do. It will unlock the supernatural in a few ways. Number one, it will unlock the supernatural to the place that it starts revealing truth to you. If you'll start speaking the word offensively, against the enemy's attack on you, what will happen is it will begin to reveal, reveal truth to you. All of a sudden you start realizing, I know who I am in Christ. I know what I am. Because the Bible says this. Because the Word of God says this. You'll be able to say, wait a minute, Satan. No, sir. I'm not going to fail at this. I might be scared, but I'm not going to fail at this because Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I know, wait a minute. You, you, I, get, I understand something all of a sudden. Well, now that we're in this combat understand something as you start yielding that sword and slinging it around you start quoting that scripture wait a minute i get philippians now i get that i can do all things through christ who gives me strength oh no sir i'm not quitting i'm not giving i'm not taking a shortcut out i can do this through him because he is more than a conqueror therefore i am more than a conqueror or like psalms 46 1 says god is my refuge and my strength an ever present help in time of trouble. Friend, I'm going to tell you something. If I had a bad day at work, I'd pull over into the break room and I'd just start quoting that in the name of Jesus. God is an ever-present help in time of trouble. I'd start yielding, wielding that sword in Jesus' name. I thank you that I'm ahead and not the tail. And this thing ain't going to destroy me. They're not firing me. I'm not going to go psycho and start shooting everybody. I thank you. He's an ever-present help. He's a shield about me. He's my high tower. I run to him under the shadow of his wings. And friend, as you start speaking the word over the situation, what it does is it reveals truth to you and it reveals truth to the enemy who is what? The father of lies. So what did Jesus say? Nah, that's not what that scripture says. That's not what he means in his holy word. This is what it says. You should serve the Lord God and him only. You should worship. Uh-uh. You can manipulate all you want because you know how that thing does. It starts coming to you. You're never going to amount to anything. You're not going to get the promotion just like you did last time. It's, well, see there? See there? You're going to mess this marriage up just like you did the last three. It, it, those lies, those things. And what happens is if you'll start wielding the word of God into the enemy's side, what will happen is truth will spew out. It will reveal truth supernaturally. So wait a minute. Wait a minute. No, sir. No, sir. See, friend, listen, I'm trying to raise up some warriors in this place. I'm tired of you being bullied. I'm tired of Listen, I love Christian therapists and counselors. Can I tell you something? Before you go run into them, won't you run to the Word? Won't you, won't you knock, knock the devil on his butt a couple times before you try to get everybody else's opinion? And, bro, you're going asking all your lost bros about, about your marriage, and they've been in adultery for the last six years? What do they have to tell you? Go to the Word of God and start pushing the devil back, who says, listen, enjoy the wife of your youth, that she is a pleasing... Se-. I can't quote Song of Solomon's. we got young adults in here. Let's keep going. Here's a second supernatural thing that the Word of God unlocks, and that is it establishes His authority. It establishes His authority. When you begin, what did Jesus do? The Word says, it is written. It it establishes God's authority. Have you ever pulled up in somebody's front yard, and they got that little sign? You got that little sign? This house protected by halt security. Come on, you ever seen that? 
And you're like, whoa, all right, I guess I better not try to steal nothing today. Why do they put that sign out front? Because they, don't want, they want all the thieves and all the murderous people to know. This house is protected. It's established. A line has been drawn. Break in the door, see what happens. See if the whole force doesn't show up to destroy you. We're letting you know before you even get in. Don't even try. It's already been set into motion. Can I tell you something? So many of us, we wait till we're in the battle to start fighting. Listen, I set the authority of God in place before I ever get face to face with Satan. I start drawing that boundary in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, my children are protected. The word of God says that he'll never leave me or forsake me. And I start drawing those boundaries and say, you can't pass. Listen, you've got to see this clip. Remember the Lord of the Rings? Remember the clip? Was it Geldon? How do you say his name? Gandalf says to the demon, no, sir, you're not going past this point. You didn't see it? You're going to get to see it today. Come on, play that 62-second clip and let them see Gandalf. to the secret fire, yield her the flame of our Lord. Dark fire will not avail you, flame of Udun! Go back to the shadow. and say, devil, you shall not pass. You're not getting past this blood of Jesus that I apply to the doorpost of my house, around my children, around my marriage, around my finances. Come on, friend, you got to rise up and you need to start applying the authority of God in your life, waking up and shaking yourself and say, I'm tired of being bullied. I'm tired of always talking about, y'all pray for me. I just, we're going through so, such hard times. Just pray. Listen, friend, you need to rise up, take the sword of the Spirit and begin to apply the word of God to every demonic force that's trying. Listen, it's not your flesh and blood that you're fighting. It's principalities and powers and wickedness. You say, I don't understand why my business won't move forward. Friend, apply the word of God to every demonic force that's holding back the prosperity of God all for your life. Because I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans to prosper you. Hold him at his word and hold the devil at God's word. And say, you will not pass the authority of God. I lay establish it right here and right now. I love what he, he, uh, Exodus chapter 14 and verse 14 says. It says, the Lord will fight for for you, all you need to do is be still. Come on, somebody. The Lord will fight for you. His word fights. Just apply it and let it do its work. When I got a stain on my clothes, I just pour that Clorox in there and say, go get him. Go get it, Clorox. I don't sit in there. I just pour that in there, hoping you, know, you see it later. Come back. Ding! It's awesome. Apply the word of God to the situation. And the last and final one, and that is that when you and I supernaturally allow the word of God to do what it's going to do. Let me tell you the third thing it does. It awakens the power gifts. It awakens the words of knowledge, words of wisdom, miracles and supernatural pieces. And I thought today, 
the best way to tell you about how that can be practical in our life is I wanted Miss Jamie to come up here and tell the story of how she dealt with a real tragic situation that was happening to us. It was in our finances and some things we were believing for. So Jamie, come on up here. Give Miss Jamie a hand as she comes. Wow, that was incredible. I don't know how I can follow that. That was absolutely... You shall I know, not. right? Anyway, Love it. It was awesome. We're all like, we're watching the movie again. So um, I just want to briefly tell you a story of something that happened in our lives and just how the Word of God was true through it all. You know, the thing I just want you to think about and remember is that we daily need to put the Word of God in our lives and in our hearts because that's when it comes out when we most need it. You know, it's great that you can go Google exactly what's going Going on and try to figure out how that applies right there in that moment. But if we systematically, we listen to the word, we're, we're reading the word, we're, we're hearing the word of God, then when the time comes, it comes back out and it comes to remembrance. And that's what happened to us. We had, um, you know, basically my sweet hubby was working three, running three different organizations. We had the church, we had, he was traveling internationally and he was running a Bible college. And we really felt the word of the Lord that said, apply yourself a hundred percent to church on the hill. Well, the problem was of those three things, the one that really wasn't paying us anything was Church on the Hill. And so we were like, okay, Lord. So we took a 75% pay cut to just focus ourselves 100% on Church on the Hill. So we said, uh, Lord, you got to kind of fill in the gap and do the rest. And we, we did all we could. We cut back, but we knew that we needed another source of income. And some of you have heard this already. But so we took one of our tax returns and we said, this is all we've got. Lord, you've got to do something with this. It wasn't enough to flip a house. It wasn't enough. It wasn't going to do anything in the stock market or anything like that. And yeah, and please jump in with any of it. So we thought, you know what? We had this crazy idea that we were going to raise cats. Well, we were know, sitting right? around and we were talking about back in, in, uh, back in another church we were at, this little couple, they financed their kids to go to private school uh, by breeding these two little Shelties. And they would sell their puppies and make, you know, hundreds and hundreds of dollars. And we were like, what if we did? We were just talking about that. It came to us and we we're like, maybe that's the Lord. And we had uh, Jamie and I had always picked up stray cats and stuff from the pound and stuff. And we had this one particular cat that was just ended up huge. We were like, oh, my God, what is this? It's like a baby lion. And so Jamie started researching, and they were called Maine Coons. It was and he had been our favorite cat, so he'd always wanted to get another one. And so one thing led to Googling, which led to another, which led to more Googling, and found out that we could get one of these cats. And so we couldn't get one in the States, though. So we ended up already, Pastor Adam was traveling to Germany, and I found a connection in Germany, made a connection, brought home two cats all the way from Europe. With the exact and money that we had from our income absolutely. tax. Absolutely. So I was like, this is going to be great. This is going to work out. And NPA was like, you know, that's a great idea, but is it really going to actually, are we just going to have a lot of cats in the house or is this really going to be an investment? That was the key. We really needed something. It wasn't just more work websites, and more time. You started building websites. You started promoting out there. So we bring these cats home. We do all the bells and whistles it takes. We get all ready. And now it's time for the cats to do what the cats are going to do, right? That part of it. Making and babies. So, yes. So we get so excited and we think this is it. This is time. All this money invested. All this time invested. And lo and behold, the, we only have one boy and one girl and the girl gets sick really really sick and and I bring her to the vet and the vet says this is not good 
You need to fix her right now. And I'm like, you don't understand. We went to Germany. We brought cats back. This is all we had. This is how we're getting braces. If she gets fixed, we're done. I can't do anything with just one cat. We're over. And he said, there's no way. You have to fix her. I was like, sir, you have to give me another option. There's got to be a plan B. And and where was I? I was preaching somewhere out of town. Somewhere. And And so I call him like, this is really bad. And he goes, oh, no, no, no. We're not fixing the cat. I'm like, that's so easy for you to say. I have to take care of this dying cat now as this happens and was and I'm looking at the realities of a dying cat and I'm calling other vets and I'm getting second opinions and everyone says you're done you're done this is over and I'm like we have just wasted so much money so we spent about four weeks spending a lot of money on surgeries and antibiotics and everything and it was still hopeless it was like the woman with the issue of blood it only got worse and I'm looking at a nearly lifeless cat at this point and I'm like this is horrible. And I'm like, Lord, I went out on a limb. I told my husband, this is going to be awesome. This is going to be so easy. We're going to make a great investment, return on our investment. And this is only getting worse. And so we got four weeks into it. This cat and I got locked in the bathroom. And all of a sudden, scripture that I had read from over the years, from all parts of the word, begin to come back. And it, I was reminded that with God, all things are possible. And I thought, well, that's good because I need something impossible to happen right now. And I got in this little bathroom, very uncomfortable, sitting in this little bathroom with this little dying cat. And I said, okay, I remember somewhere else, another scripture said that faith comes by hearing. And hearing comes by the word of God. Well, I said, Lord, you didn't clarify which one of us had to hear. So me and the cat, we're going to listen. And one of us is going to catch this. And one of us is going to get faith. Hey, it didn't say faith came by human. So we were like, look, at this point, I am desperate. I am so desperate. So that cat and I sat there, and I just began to recall the word of the Lord that I had read in other times in my life. And then I would jump on Google. See, in the olden days, we had the concordance in the back of the Bible. Remember that, where you had to go down and look for the keyword? These days, you can say, Scripture. Uh, all things are possible. And there it is. Isn't that awesome? Begin to write these things down, writing down every scripture that began to encourage my heart. Because at that point, I, I was done. I had no faith. And then faith. you came to the passage with the, with the so child. So I came to Mark 5 when it talks about Jairus' daughter. And they're walking, and Jesus is walking. And on the way to heal Jairus' daughter, she dies. And Jesus says, only believe. And I said, well, that's good because that's all I can do at this point. No other thing will work. All I can do is believe, only believe. And then later he says, little girl, get up. And I said, okay, cat, little girl, you get up. You hear me? You're going to get better. You and I, we're not leaving this bathroom until you're better. And you, like, you played me? the audio Bible, that over passage. And over and over. And over. She was in there at, like, 3 or 4 in the morning. I'm like, what are you doing? I'm like, that's creepy. She's like, I'm having faith for the cat. I'm like, oh. But I was hopeless. We had nowhere else to go. That's the great thing about being on a missions trip. I was talking to somebody yesterday. You get to see that people have to rely on Jesus because Jesus is all they have. That's why we have to go and tell them about Jesus. Yeah. You're welcome, Erica. You can thank me later. No, I'm kidding. But, uh, but I sat there, and all of a sudden, the Lord began to download to me as I began to meditate on these scriptures. He said, I want you to go get this and this and this, and I want you to give it to this cat. And it was the craziest concoction you'd ever heard of. Wheat, grass, and glyconutritionals and everything in the world. But he said, go and get these things and give that to this cat right now. And so I left that bathroom with, with belief that I believed that things were going to change. And after four weeks of a dying cat, I took her back to the vet. And the vet said, 24 hours after we sat in that bathroom, the vet said, um, the cat's better. 
And I said, you mean like finally a little bit better? He goes, no, like better. And he pulls out his pad. He goes, what'd you do? <laughs> In the bathroom in Mark 5. And, you know, so anyway. But when we apply the word that we've put in, it comes out when we need it. And Amen? let me tell you something. Amen. That cat paid our house note last year. Come on, somebody, with all the kids she gave. Thank you. <laughs> so good. Come on, stand with me all across the room. <clears throat> I'm believing that you and I become men and women who can fight off the enemy and make him pay for all the years of stabbing, stabbing, stabbing you. And it's time. Amen. Are you there? Say yes. I want you to close your eyes with me. Bow your heads. Just kind of give yourself a place to have a private moment with the Lord. As you stand there with your head bowed and your eye closed, this is a word for this church. It's a word for you. The Bible's not just some little chore. It's his words. When the supreme being spoke, that word becomes truth. It becomes life. And no demon in hell can cross over that word. The problem is, is we as sons and daughters, sometimes we're ignorant, sometimes we're lazy, and we don't appropriate the words of God properly. This isn't a hype message. This is a truth message. That's why your heart is pounding. Because for the first time, some of you are saying, wait a minute. I have allowed myself to be bullied and beat down. And I don't, I didn't know what I needed to do. The end of that passage in Ephesians, that warfare passage, it says, putting on the whole armor of God, taking up the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And it says, and praying on all occasions, praying in the spirit on all occasions for all things. See, when you pray the word of God, when you tell the devil, listen, this is what God says, this is what the word says. When you tell yourself, this is what the word of God, in prayer, what happens is things start shifting. Supernatural things start happening. Truth starts coming to you. You start establishing the authority of God in that situation, and the enemy can't step past it. And then you reapply it, and reapply it, and reapply it. Because you know he's sneaky. He'll come back and keep pushing on that spot. And so as you stand here, right where you stand, the enemy's stolen from you. The, many, the enemy's tried to steal from you. And here, here now, what I want you to do is I want you to, I want you to pray. Under your breath, right where you stand. I want you to say things like, Lord, forgive me because I've been passive. Lord, I've not known your word and applied it properly. I'm not skilled with the sword, but I want to become skilled. As you stand there, pray, God's going to respond to you. Your heart's going to lighten. Revelation's going to start coming to you. You're going to start seeing. You're not, you don't have to die with cancer just because your mom did. You're going to start understanding. You don't have to be broke the rest of your life. You don't, you don't have to be a bad communicator forever. You don't have to be selfish and lonely. God's going to start showing you in his word the power to overcome the enemy and all of his plans. Now, Father, I pray for every man and woman in our church. I pray right now in Jesus' name that they will become lovers of the Word of God. Father, I thank you they'll be able to wield this sword and destroy the works of the enemy. Father, I thank you, Lord God, your words are truth and everything else be a lie. Lord, that your strength has been laid out for us as believers and that your only son could have used any powers of heaven, but he used the Word of God to defeat the demonic force called Satan. And Father, I thank you so much that he laid out the path that I can walk on. Lord, your word says that after Jesus finished smacking him with the word, it says, 
and Satan left him. And then the angels came and ministered to him. I thank you, Lord, right now in Jesus' name. That though the battle may rage, and though the difficulty may be true, that, Lord, none will fall. And though we stammer, though we may get stabbed in the process of battle, that the word of God will destroy the works of the enemy. I want you to just do a favor for me if you just put your hands down and keep your head bowed. If in this place today, you're not a Christian. You say, Pastor Adam, i got to be honest, I'm not a Christian. If I, if I died today, I, I don't think I would go to heaven. Maybe you used to be a Christian, but you walked away from the Lord years ago. Listen, friend, he's not mad at you. He didn't hate you. He didn't want you to pay before he'll love you again. Friend, can I explain something to you? He paid for every one of our sins. Even our rejection of him, he paid for that on the cross. And today, I want to give you an opportunity to come and make Jesus your Lord and Savior. You say, what do I have to do? Well, listen, that's the beauty. He did it all. The word says it like this. If you'll confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that he is the Christ, the son of the living God, that he will forgive you. He'll cleanse you from all unrighteousness. See, we're talking about an internal thing that has to happen in your heart. We're not talking about giving money to the church. We're not talking about how many Hail Marys you did, how many candles you lit. No, no, no. Will you open the door of your heart and let Jesus be your Lord? He will fill you with his Holy Spirit and transform your life forever. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if I'm speaking to you right now, you say, Pastor, that's me. I'm not a Christian, but I don't want to live another day without surrendering to Jesus. With no one looking around, if that's you, would you just lift your hand? I want to pray with you. I'll pray with you. Thank you, sir. Anybody else? Pray with me, Pastor. It's time. I want to be a Christian again. Or I want to be a Christian for the first time. You put it back down. Anyone else? Give you about three or four seconds. Make sure I see you. God bless you. Thank you so much for your honesty. Thank you. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Thank you. God bless you. Anybody else? Say, pray for me, Pastor. It's time. I'm ready to receive Christ. I'm ready to serve him. Thank you. I see your hands. Amen. Anyone else? I'm not going to call you forward. I'm not going to embarrass you. I just need you and God to have a moment together. And I want to connect the two of you together. Already your heart is tender towards him or you wouldn't even come here today. So you're not a bitter person. You're not a hate, hateful person. Is there anyone else? Pray for me, Pastor. Two seconds left. Amen. You can put your hands down. Now today I want to lead you in a prayer of repentance. Just a prayer. See that prayer, that spoken word of yes, here's my heart, I give it to you. That word, God takes it and he honors it and he comes into your life. And so today if you lifted your hand, I'm going to lead you in this prayer of repentance. In fact, I'm going to get everyone in the audience to pray out loud so you're not by yourself. But those that lifted your hand, I need you to mean it with all of your heart. And let's pray it like this. Say, Jesus, today I surrender my life. I admit I'm a sinner. I recognize I need you. And I ask you, please forgive me of my sin. Deliver me from my pride. I humble myself and I declare Jesus is Lord. And I say it like this, Jesus is my Lord. Write my name in your book of life. I promise to serve you all the days of my life in Jesus' name. Keep your head bowed for a moment. Father, I pray for every man and woman who lifted their hand. I pray the peace of God would overcome them, right? sense that it's okay they don't have to fight they don't have to perform they're forgiven now Lord may your Holy Spirit fill them so completely that they begin to sense your leadings and when they read the Bible it'll make sense to them that they find good Christian friends that would strengthen them 
Lord, they connect with a good local church. And if it's ours, Lord, that they could get into a small group and do life with folks. Father, I pray right now, the peace of God, the joy of the Lord could be their strength. In Jesus' name. Would you reach over and grab the hand of that person next to you? And as we go to close, my challenge to you today was that you would be a warrior with God's word. I know some of you are scared of the Bible. It doesn't make sense to you. Friend, just start, pick it up. Just start swinging it. You may hit the wall a few times. You may chip the sword a little bit. But I promise you, it won't break. Friend, I need you just to realize that you're getting beat down. And I can't fight your battle. There are battles that only you can fight. Sir, you're the only one who can defend your family. I can't do it for you. I'm your pastor. But I'm not, I'm not her husband. Ma'am, I can't make him change. But the word of God can change him. Dear sir, I can't fix that they've misappropriated you at work. But that's not, you're not fighting them. You're fighting the forces of evil that are trying to destroy you. That are stirring in them and stirring in that system. Frank, can I tell you something? When God breaks through, it doesn't matter how much they hate you. They can't stop when God is on your side. You need to get the devil pushed back. And so right where you stand with hands joined, would you take the last 60 seconds of this service and would you pray for the men and women on either side of you and ask them, ask the Lord to help them fall in love with the Bible and begin to learn to wield the word of God so that they can push back the demonic forces that are trying to destroy him. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you right now, Lord, that every man and woman in this church, Lord God, will become great warriors, that they will become strong in the Lord and the power of his might, that, Lord, each and every one of them, Lord God, will begin to know how to, to, to fight off the demonic forces. I need each and every one of them, Lord God, to know that you are for them and not against them, and that, Lord God, the, the power of Satan cannot destroy them, that he is a toothless lion, and that our Savior, Jesus Christ, has already destroyed him and defeated him, and that, Lord God, that we will wield the word of God properly until where the enemy knows they shall not pass another step into our family, another step into our physical being. In Jesus' name, we stand with our friends, with our brothers and sisters in Christ, and say that we will be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. In Jesus' name. And everybody said amen and amen.